Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. podcast where Gabriel and I go year by year from 1980 to 1990 and revisit every year and learn about pop culture. The year 1983, the migration of ARPANET to TCPIP is officially complete. This is considered to be the beginning of the true internet. The first ever version of Microsoft Word was introduced. The world's first commercial mobile cell phone call is made in Chicago. This is a good one. Six robbers break into the Brinks Matt Warehouse near Heathrow Airport and stole $25 million worth of gold bullions, diamonds, and cash. The heist was described as, by some as the crime of the century. The robbers were expecting to find $3 million in cash. Instead, they discovered 6,800 gold ingots the size of chocolate bars, weighing over three tons, plus a uh, consignment of diamonds and paper currency. Imagine that. You go in there for a quick little three mil, but come out with 25? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I imagine some quick math is done there to... Uh adjust your uh, split i mean and it's 1983 dude even three million was going to be a lot yeah yeah all right let's talk about some births emily blunt i know her from a few things but i think right now because of her work just uh, a quiet place is the big one um she uh, that movie those two movies were were incredible and she was great in both uh fantastic we have uh, Amy Winehouse, unfortunately died in 2011, but born in 83. I still listen to Back in Black, man. That is a, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal album. She was a, a, a remarkable singer. No, not Back in Black, right? Back to Black? Such a fantastic album. And, and again, it's not, a, it's not like it was anything new, right? I mean, she was just singing soul and a little bit of funk and a little bit of Motown, but just uh you know in her own way it was fantastic <laughs> uh for those of you who can't see i am currently having some technical difficulties because i took for granted the things that i use every week <laughs> it's all my fault uh donald glover american actor uh also rapper producer director entrepreneur i'm sure he does fashion Social commentator. Yes. I mean, look, it, his working community was fantastic. Childish Gambino, some of the best rap music. Atlanta, ridiculous. I mean, the dude just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, do you know the name Tessa Thompson? Uh, it sounds familiar. You the, So the name sounds familiar, but you'll know her as the Valkyrie from um, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yep, and Love that's and who it is. Um, a lot of credit for, to her, though, because she was also in all the Creed movies. And she was in the Men in Black, the international one, the reboot, sort of. So uh, quite, uh, quite the um, 
uh, filmography that she has, uh, not including the TV shows that she's she's been in, like the um, she was in uh, Westworld. She was uh, born in '83. Jesse Eis- uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I was not a fan of like the social media movie, social media network. Is that what it was called? The social uh... network. Social Network, I think it was called. But you know what movies I, I had a lot of fun watching through that he's in? I hmm. really liked the Zombieland movies. I still haven't seen that. Those were really, really good movies, dude. And then um, there was another little indie film, or or, a, a not, or not an indie, but like a low-budget film called Adventureland that was really good that he was, he was good in. He did another little comedy called uh, 30 Minutes or Less that was actually very funny. And I think the and then you know he was Lex Luthor in the Batman versus Superman, yeah. And I think the big ones that have gotten him a lot, a lot of uh, of um, of recognition has been those like Now You See Me, uh, magic- the magic ones. Yeah, which I, I watched yeah. the first one, but I never watched bothered watching the second one. But I highly recommend uh, the Zombieland movies. Those are actually a lot of fun to watch. Adam Devine, uh, actor, voice actor, comedian, screenwriter, producer. I believe he's a singer from the work that he did in uh, Pitch Perfect. He, I think, is best known for the, um, what's the name of that show? The the um, Workaholics. Mm-hmm. He was part of that crew. Funny, funny guy. I, I really like, like, he just looks funny, to be honest with you. The minute, like, he's one of those guys that can portray so much with just his face. So Expressive. Expressive. Thank you. Yes, Gabe. See, here, Gabe, you're here for the, for the good stuff. All right, uh, moving on to people who died. Now, I was never like a huge fan of this group, but I was well aware of of, of uh, the work that they did. Um, the Carpenters, Karen Carpenter, American singer and drummer. This is that that I didn't realize that a lot of the work, a lot of the work that she did for the Carpenters was as a drummer singer before she moved into just the singing part of it. Wow, are you familiar with the Carpenters? Mm-mm. I think the song that always they did a lot of adult contemporary music, um, you know, but like like we've only just begun like that type of like just, you know, little ballads and stuff like that. But they were very popular in their time. Incredibly popular. But yeah, she passed away. And um, at the age of 32, she had actually uh, it's again, like not not to be the downer or anything, but she um. She battled with uh, her weight quite a bit, quite a bit. And um, it was kind of sad because, like, you know, it's kind of what 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 uh, what killed her was the fact that that she couldn't quite control all of that. And uh, it basically kind of, you know, led her to, to being sickly and not being able to recover fully from uh, anorexia and stuff like that. That's a shame. It is. It is. Um, next up we have, and I don't even know how to say this name, but I'm going to go with Herge, 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 Belgium comics creator, best known for creating the adventures of Tintin, considered, uh, one of the most popular European comics of the 20th century. His works were executed in his distinct, and again, this is probably French, Ligne Claire drawing style, which is very cartoonish characters against a realistic background. And if you look at the Tintin uh, comic strips and the Tintin television show, I think you you get that impression of like 
there was a lot of effort put into the background. Uh, but the main characters are very cartoonish. So, were you a fan of the Tintin stuff? Any of that? Uh, only only passingly familiar with it. Okay, I I uh, I really enjoyed that movie that Steven Spielberg did the um, the uh, CGI one that he did fully. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. Did not. Yeah, that was a that was a a, a really well well done film. Uh, and then the cartoons were always fun to watch too. Uh, moving on to a gentleman named Muddy Waters, American musician. You familiar with Muddy? Yeah, blues singer. Uh, important figure, uh, post-war blues, the uh, often called uh, the father of modern Chicago blues. Um, this is great. So in 1958, he traveled to England, where basically he laid the foundations of the resurgence of interest in blues. For example, the Rolling Stones named themselves after a Muddy Waters song called L- uh, Rolling Stone. Wow. Not, yeah, not only that though, but like you have um you have uh the influences for example Cream, you know, the one of the original uh Eric Clapton bands covering uh their music. You had Bob Dylan covering their music. Led Zeppelin's uh Whole Lot of Love has lyrics from uh, one of Muddy Waters songs called You Need Love. The Allman Brothers, AC/DC, You Shook Me All Night Long. Uh, came from lyrics from Muddy Waters' uh, You Shook Me, not too far off. You know, like just a heavily, heavily uh, listened to uh, artist by, you know, everyone we listen to. Yeah. Okay, moving on to films, Gabe. Have you ever heard of a movie called Blue Thunder? Uh, I don't think so. It was a TV show based on the movie, but the movie stars Roy Schreider, I remember watching this movie and I thought it was cool. Uh, it's a it's a movie about uh, a a police uh, helicopter police department, right? Like a or a or a what do you call those? I mean the 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 LAPD has a helicopter team department uh, division division. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um. So Roy Schneider, uh, Roy Roy Schneider plays a, a troubled Vietnam veteran with post-traumatic stress uh, disorder who gets a, a new um, a new partner to uh, to help him patrol the streets of LA and what ends up happening is uh, he's a great pilot you know uh, he's rumored to have been able to do a a, uh, a flip with a with a helicopter and this other helicopter gets uh, introduced, and somehow there's political agenda and people being and that helicopter being used to like assassinate people like a hitman, and it ends with obviously a helicopter chasing throughout L.A. Uh, where okay. where the dude does a 360 flip with a helicopter, Blue Thunder, as one does, as one does. Uh, I saw this movie again. I'm not gonna lie. In the last five years, it holds up. It's still just a good fashion fun 80s film like i i had forgotten how much i enjoyed it and it was fun to watch blue thunder though very cool uh moving on to have you heard of or seen the movie christine uh i think i've i've heard of it yeah okay Uh, directed by john carpenter uh written by bill phillips and based on stephen king's uh, 1983 novel of the same name 
Um, by the way, the novel came out and they started filming this movie like the week the, the novel came out. That's that's how good they already knew that Stephen King was going to come through for them. Damn. Um, but yeah, it's it's the it's the life or like, it's the story of a car who that gets bought by a teenager, but the car seems to have a, a mind of its own and it's somewhat jealous and has a a possessive personality which you know uh ends up influencing the teenage kid who turns into a bad boy but also murdering people the car not the kid yeah 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 i remember this film you know the car the car will destroy itself killing people that he thinks are hurting his owner and then the next day the car is in mint condition again just a, a murdering car that's all it is um there's a remake that's being planned, which I thought was interesting. Maybe they'll make it an electric car or something. <laughs> it's a Tesla just still just keep exploding and killing people that are... I mean, it would drive or, itself. Or running them over. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but yeah, just rem- like a Tesla. I remember Christine, though. We did Cujo like, in the last two years. That was another Stephen King one, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, the, kid, the man was prevalent, he, if nothing else. He was. Uh, a big movie that comes out in 83 that to this day is like amazing. Uh, Scarface. Have you seen it? I have seen Scarface. I think I think everybody has, should, or will see it. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma, starring Al Pacino, playing a Cuma- Cuban immigrant <laughs> into Miami. <laughs> so look, I will say this. <laughs> as good as Scarface is, we do forget that it is Al Pacino playing a Cuban guy. I mean, you know, at its most exaggerated, I think, also. Like, there's a there's a certain amount of freedom that, that's, that Pacino took in creating this character. Where Liberties. He took liberties. Liberties. Thank you, Gabe. Oh, my God. But yeah. no, but this movie is phenomenal. Holy crap. It is quotable. Uh, like, just insane how good this movie is. If you haven't seen it, you need to. Uh, moving on to, ooh, have you ever seen Valley Girl? No. The Nicolas Cage one. Have you heard no, of no, it? No, I mean, I've, I've seen plenty of actual Valley Girls. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you lived in San Bernardino, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But but the Nicolas Cage movie, Valley Girl, never. No. This is, oh, man, this is Nic- This is like Nicolas Cage's one of, one of his first starring roles, I believe. But he oh. plays he plays a San Bernardino punk who meets this nice girl uh, and then kind of leads her astray as they have an adventure one night after a party. Don't there's, all of us San Bernardino punks do that? There's a there's a phenomenal scene where they first meet on the beach and it's a it's a very young Nicolas Cage without a shirt on and it is like he's wearing a sweater. It is the man is. <laughs> But remember, this is the '80s, so that was sexy. That was that was that that was a, that was not a bug; it was a feature. It was. <laughs> it was not a bug; it was a feature. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fun movie, dude. It's a funny, fun movie. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, it's 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 just interesting because of that. That's where like, that's where the the culture of Valley Girl really blew up in in pop culture. Because then you started yeah. like, oh, you're like, oh, that's a Valley Girl. And then the Valley Girl speak and just everything like that, I think, really, really took off after that movie. Huh. 
but it's it's a fun Nick Cage movie. I will say that. Uh, next up, we have The Dead Zone. Um, also another Stephen King book. Uh, this is the one with Christopher Walken, where a man shakes your hand and then he's able to he's able to feel your future. And oh no! And he shakes a pal- actual palm reading. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, the fact that I've been talking for ninety percent of the time, the the five percent that you've spoken, just. <laughs> Just, you're 100% though, Gabe, with your jokes. God damn it. Um, so the interesting thing about the film is he shakes some politician's hand and he sees that that politician will eventually become the president and start a nuclear war. So, oh, damn. Yeah, so because he knows this, he tries to assassinate him. Oh. Yeah, it's very interesting. But how unerring are his uh, predictions? Can they be averted? Well, you're gonna have to That's watch the, the whole movie story's to find about, out, isn't yeah. it? They uh, they ended up remaking that into a TV show, I think, in the '90s or, or early 2000s. I don't remember. That sounds like something the '90s would do. <laughs> you mean take a take a Stephen King book and turn it into a TV show? Take a Stephen King book that was a movie that from the '80s and, and TV show it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, last movie we'll talk about today is going to be the movie called Sudden Impact. This is the fourth in the Dirty Harry series, directed, produced, and starring Clint Eastwood, making it the only Dirty Harry film to be directed by Eastwood himself. Have you seen any or all of the Dirty Harry films? I've seen some, and I don't know exactly which, because it was a very long time ago. I mean, I feel like it's all kind of the same. Like, the character, like, what are we there for? We're there for him to say his catchphrase, whip out that giant gun, uh, uh, actually, speaking of uh, catchphrases, Gabe, this film is notable for the catchphrase. Go ahead, make my day. And with that, we have a video vault movie here. So I am going to do this. Let's see here. Did man. he? Did he only say it in four? Exactly, because remember, I think. You're, God damn. You're thinking also the same thing I was thinking, which was. Which was... Um, That's what he's known for. He's also known for the um, Go Ahead, Punk. Do you feel lucky? Remember that one? Sure, Do You Feel Lucky, Punk, yeah. Yes, Do You Feel Lucky, Punk. So, here. Quick! Move! You coming with me, Mom? We're going to have us a little party, huh? What you doing, you pig-head sucker? Every day for the last 10 years, Loretta there has been giving me a large black coffee. Today she gives me a large black coffee, only it's got sugar in it. A lot of sugar. I just came back to complain. How you boys put those guns down? <laughs> Say what? Well, we're not just gonna let you walk out of here. Who's we, sucker? Smith and Wesson and me.
Go ahead. Make my day. There it is, Gabe. Now, without the without the benefit of visuals, I hope everybody will join me in imagining that uh, uh, one of those shots was for, in fact, the offending cup of coffee. You know, <laughs> perpetrators, and then one for that sugary ass cup of coffee. What? Well, so one thing I will say, right? Because I, I, I watched this clip earlier to prep for this. Um. And and that's why like I was like oh I'm just gonna go to the part where he says go ahead and make my day but I was like but no you know what I need the thing that led up to you that. gotta earn that yeah but that scene at the very end right before he says it it made me then look, think back about what I just said where it was the film that uh, Eastwood directed and there's a scene where like you know they're having that little moment it's quiet and then the camera kind of zooms in on the bat and I was like. Oh, look at that. I was like, I'm seeing Eastwood direct. I can see the difference. So I thought it was clever because I, I went through the other like iconic catchphrases that he has. And, yeah, yeah. and they all looked a little different. I'm like, okay, I can see what he was doing here. But you know what I was going to say? You know how we give like Schwarzenegger and Stallone a bunch of shit about like, you know, and Van Damme about all the stupid phrases like stick around or, you know, like all those things. Me and Smith and Wesson. Do you know this? I was gonna say, right? It's not. It's not. It's not uh, hokey. It's not you know, eighties. You know, in that sense. But you're like, wait a minute. You're doing the same thing, except you're not making it sound so corny. <laughs> yeah. What kind of actual sociopath would talk that way? Can you <laughs> exactly. imagine how terrifying would that be in real life? You're just like, oh, this guy's. This guy's. Uh, this guy's not all here. <laughs> hey, a little bit, dude. I was like. I was like, okay, I think we we don't look back into Clint Eastwood enough to see how many corny catchphrases he probably does have in those films like that. Because Go Ahead and Make My Day was great, but that other one was like, that's uh, <laughs> if someone else said that, we'd be all laughing about it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. But it is funny how we, we allowed him to get away with it, but we won't let uh, Schwarzenegger get away with it. You know what it made me think of? And I think this was a, an actual, hang on, let me look at this up. Uh, so, I I think this was like a real thing used in an advertisement for it, but it was the Colt, or used maybe it was used in like a newspaper headline. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, who did the Judge Colt and his jury of six? I don't think I've ever heard that. Uh, I've heard I've heard that reference for the 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 Colt peacemaker, the gun that won the West. Oh. Know? Um, you know, again in a lawless land, Judge Colt and his jury of six would often <laughs> render judgment, and I I feel like it was used in either some kind of like article in a newspaper about it or something else and be like if that's how re- real people actually talk to stuff but like people that were not like in a movie gonna about to shoot somebody i was like yeah i mean you know maybe truth is stranger than fiction you know that's funny dude before we finish talking about films i do want to just have some memorable men- uh, honorable mentions because these are movies that i didn't put on our list but i know they were big movies in the 80s right so flash dance also came out in in uh 83 Risky Business came out in 83. Staying Alive came out in 83. And Trading Places. Trading Places we've talked about a couple times before. So I didn't want to mention it. But I know Staying Alive, Risky Business, and Flashdowns were huge movies. They're just yeah. not worth me talking about. It's all I'll say about them. They just don't have as good of uh, lines in them as they uh, don't. Scarface or Dirty Harry. And Staying Alive just has really great visuals that you need to see Travolta in tights. You need to see Jamie Lee Curtis in tights, you know? <laughs> First appearances. Rowan Atkinson 
Never Say Never Again, which I believe oh. is a 007 film, right? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently he, uh, he that was his debut. Vincent D'Onofrio, the first turn on. Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, besides, obviously, Private Pile, uh, he's done some phenomenal work. His latest work as the Kingpin has been awesome. Rick Moranis, comedian who ends up, you know, uh, in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise. Judd Nelson, Rock and Roll Hotel. Judd Nelson ends up being the bad boy of the 80s, uh, most notably for his work in The Breakfast Club, where he was amazing. Sarah Jessica Parker, which, by the way, her and Matthew Broderick end up getting married, and they both debuted in 83, for the record. Uh, here's a good one for me. Bronson Pinchot. Are you familiar with Bronson Pinchot? In the movie Risky Business, by the way. Mm-mm. I know Bronson Pinchot from the, movie, from the TV show Perfect Strangers, where he plays Cousin Balky. So this... And again, like, I think he comes from a fictional country, but I think they mean like Bulgaria, Romania, moves to L.A. or Chicago to stay with his cousin, who's like the city boy. So this country bumpkin from a whole nother country with a really thick accent moves. And, you know, the odd couple ensues, basically. That was Perfect Strangers. It's a fantastic show. And then uh, lastly, we have uh, Kevin Pollack. Uh, he he uh, debuts in the movie The Right Stuff. Kevin Pollack obviously goes on to do tons of films, but I think The Usual Suspects is the one I always think of. Also, great impressionist. Incredible impressionist. He does really good, uh, really good Christopher Walken. Oh. Yeah. All right, Gabe. I, uh, well, moving on to something old, something new. I've been insanely productive when it comes to movies in the last (laughs) week and a half, dude. But before I get to all of mine, well, you got any something old, something new? Uh, I mean, nothing crazy exciting, but I have uh, been making my way through the Joe Schmo show. With Ralph Garman? Yes, <laughs> with legendary, Regi- <laughs> legendary presence. <laughs> legendary radio personality Ralph Garman from the 1990s and 2000s morning hit show, hit radio show, the Kevin and Bean show. The Kevin and Bean show, yes. Dude, it's amazing that you said the Josh Mo show, man. Like I was a I, I mean, I still listen to to the Ralph Garman report that he does uh, every every day. I I mean, Hollywood Babylon is one of my favorite, you know, podcasts of all time. Uh I grew up listening to him on the radio every morning, dude. Uh so when he did the Josh Mo show, like he has a ton of voice work on on The Family Guy. I love yeah. that. I love that man to death. And the Joe Schmo show was such a funny, funny ass take into reality TV. Man, it is a it is a time capsule too. It is everything that was like that early two thousands. Like it it is a it is a, it a, a both a hilarious look back in time as well as a, a hilarious look at the genre of, of reality, reality TV, TV. Right? Yeah, it got out oh, of hand, huh? It is. It is real good. I'm. I'm. Uh, so it's eight episodes, and I've watched six so far. Nice, and it has been a, it has been a riot the entire time. Just like the the lengths they're driving the poor guy, yeah, who is the only unsuspecting. So the premise of the show, if anyone's unaware, is that uh, it's it's they're spoofing classic reality TV, like you know, be every bunch of people in a house contest competitions get voted off, uh, except everybody's actors, but one guy. <laughs> so the whole show it's like a Truman Show, but a reality show, 
everything's crafted to push him as much as possible um including crafting how the people interact because everything the games are scripted you know as much as they can be right like he's the wild card and uh aside from you know it's actually kind of heartwarming too like how nice of a guy he he kind of is <laughs> at his core like as wrong as he is about some things because he is a he is a uh he's a white guy in the early 2000s which occasionally shows he uh he's a, like a genuinely nice guy who tried to stick up for people that he thought were being wronged that's funny it is funny. An interesting look at human nature even in there. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I think they made, what, three seasons, right, of that show? I I, I know there's one and two. I'm not sure if there's a third. I think maybe they're working on a third or something. It's in the works or something like that. Because they came back. Was... It was a, a while later for the second. I mean, obviously, you can't just belt those off because yeah. otherwise it's too much of the zeitgeist. People would be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Am I on? <laughs> Am I on? Yeah, no, that was a great show. And again, Ralph Garman, man, that dude's uh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good one, man. Anything else? Uh, I I watched most of the first episode of Andor. I didn't I got interrupted. Most <laughs> I did get interrupted. It, excellent so far. It, it it looks like a it looks like a movie, right? I mean it's It looks like a movie. It's got so I don't know like there's an intangible quality. Like as goofy as Star Wars legitimately is if you like take kind of a, a, a real close look at everything you know like the earliest ones which are held in much reverence you know four five and six if you kind of look real close at a lot of it it's pretty goofy you know you got teddy bears in costume you have ridiculous costumes in the cantina you know, even serious scenes sometimes have some pretty hilarious underpinnings but there's a certain atmosphere when it's all put together that i you know whether it's you know the combination of the music and the serious nature of some of the stories they're telling even if it is a little ridiculous that not every other star wars captures and uh rogue one did it right again um and it's a testament to how good that one was is you knew how it was going to end like none of these characters were going to be because we have everything around it and it was still compelling and uh like andor has that same quality you know um, um It's funny you bring that up because I I agree with you. Like, I don't really want to rewatch four, five, and six. Well, five, yeah. I mean, Empire Strikes Back. Um, It's just, you know, it's too good. But I was going to say, one thing I've done, I've really paid attention to from watching um, The Clone Wars and watching Andor and watching Mandalorian. First and foremost, that the movies didn't do this. It's happened now. Where it feels like it feels like it's World War Two. I I watch these shows and movies, and I'm like, what does this feel like a World War Two film? You know, like the way the 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 the, the characters handle themselves. It has a uh, that bravado, you know, of like those those like post, you know, like those World War Two movies, like The Greatest Generation. Everybody, like there is that in it. Secondly, right, and the thing that always at first bugged me, but now again, I'm like. If I if I look at this through the lens of a World War II movie, I'm okay with the fact that we're in the future. We have armadas in space, but yet, like robots seem to have personalities, but they don't communicate with each other through some sort of network. You know, like one robot will say, "Uh oh, what's going on? I can't see." Like they have these like like comic-y scenes, and I'm like, 
if one robot goes down, shouldn't that alert? Like, don't they all, aren't they all connected? Like, where's, why is there no CCTV? How can somebody get away with murder? Like, how were, how do you have flying ships and lasers and all this, but, but you still check passports? <laughs> Retrofuturism. <laughs> oh, shit. Is that, is that what it's called? That's kind of what we've gotten into because it was, it was futuristic when it was initially being uh, created. And, it, but at this point, the continuation, it, it, it's, it, I mean, I, I, again, when it was made, it wasn't meant to be, but it's a product of its, you know, it's the seventies, like what was the future going to look like? So it, it, it retains at this point, you know, that same kind of outlook. I, I hadn't heard that term before. And now that you say it, you're absolutely right. They can't catch up to us in the, in our time. Can they? They didn't know how things were going to go, right? Like you could sit there and say like oh, maybe shit. certain things will get smaller and better and certain computers will be – but like the graphics at the time – so like they're kind of frozen at that point. Like remember when they did the uh, – in episode four, they're showing like this is what we're, how we're going to attack the Death Star. And they got the little beep, 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 beep. They got the like the, like the shitty like <laughs> Commodore 64 graphics. Like that's kind of just how it has to be. So like they've stylized that more and sometimes they make it a little bit – um higher fidelity but it's always going to be in that style so like I, the style is kind of locked dude, in Dude, until you said that right now you're absolutely right because they can't move forward no. uh-huh. right they they can't make the they can't make the holograms clear can they they have to what's keep them. more oh shit. they sort of have to justify it in universe which they kind of like they you know at various points they do in some of the more expanded stuff but um not only that Star Wars has covered stories from such broad time periods. And yet, again, the, the technology is sort of frozen in time. Like, wherever you go, like, it's not that... Like, you'll see new things happen in different ones. Bigger ships, this, you know, the Death Star is a big deal because it blows up planets. But, like, you know, you go to some of the stories... And, again, a lot of this stuff is now... Um, uh, expanded universe, you know, it's non-canonical, like the, a lot of the books that were from stuff before, but stuff that even um, potentially is canon because, you know, it's from games or something like uh, there's uh, I, the still running uh, game. That's the MMO uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, the technology level, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, 3000 years before the star Wars movies. And like <laughs> the technology is basically indistinguishable. You know, they have the same kind of stuff going on. Ships look, you know, the styles are broadly, you know, it's a, uh, the stories they're telling, it's a lot of broad strokes, you know, you have archetypes. It's uh, the hero of a uh, hero of a thousand faces or whatever, you know, that was the whole, that was what Lucas based it on. And it, that, that kind of goes throughout all the stories they tell, you know, so it's sort of a backdrop for that good versus evil. And, story. and it's funny you say that, too, because the other thing that I was going to point out was that these newer versions, these newer stories are showing are giving me a lot of uh, steampunkish feel to it uh, from the weapons. Kind of they look put together. They don't look like real weapons, you know, like and what's funny. You said World War Two. A lot of them are based on like uh, uh, Hans Pistol. The DL-44 was like a broom handle. It was like a, a Mauser. Like, you know, and the uh, one of the rifles, one of the rifles was based off of the uh, um, what's the machine gun, the German machine gun, like an MG 42, oh. like, like, and they've kind of carried that forward. Like they've 
intentionally now because at the time they were working with like whatever they had and kind of making it futuristic now they intentionally go look at certain things and say like let's make this into because you know even when you look at the empire strikes back they're in trenches right at the beginning of the movie yep. and yeah so yeah so i i'm watching this and i and, and i'm telling you, and I'm, I'm getting this like you said a futuristic world war Two. i'm getting steampunk and right now when you said that term future like um retro futurism. retro futurism i was like yeah, and then when you say the other part where, like, they, like you said, they can only introduce so much technology, and then they even have to retrofit it, right? Because, again, because again like, I'm like, how do we have shitty, how do we have... Uh, uh, yeah, why do the monitors, like, you know, have, like, these shitty displays that, that show, like, yes. simple, really simplistic... <laughs> and And you're right, you're like, oh, yeah, no, we could take this into the future, but we can't. Literally, we cannot because we've already set this stupid foundation from 1970s futures. An interesting, um, another IP, another property that does an interesting and intentional split, and there's an explanation for why it's different, is Fallout, right? So, like, mm. there's the Fallout games. There's a Fallout TV show, I think, coming. I forget which network, you know, which company, Amazon or whoever has it. But Fallout's big thing was... Um, a nuclear war happened, right? Like in the during the Cold War, like basically the bombs, people ended up firing the nukes, and it you know nuclear holocaust, and then civilization coming out of these vaults they were in. People went into vaults and hid from the fallout. But I want to say um, it was like the uh, what was it the uh, there was an intentional split at a point in technology. I think it was like with the microchip. Um, where we had the microchip, like they went more into um, nuclear. Like there was like a split. Like so, like their stuff is all like chunky, and like their computer parts are kind of more oversized. Um, so it's weird because in Fallout, things like they have robots and stuff that are you know moving around doing stuff, but it's it's retrofuturism. Like it's all in a kind of a fifties but futuristic style, you know. Interesting. And they purposely did that. And again, as that that series grew and was resurrected, um, you know, cause the, those, the original games came out in like the late nineties. Then Bethesda got a hold of the license in the, you know, two thousands. And as it's been resurrected and continued, like they've continued that style, you know, because it's an alternate timeline mm -hmm. basically where the technology split this other, or, you know, thing happened and the, the bombs fell. And so like they didn't continue developing along a different line. They kind of, with what they had, and it's intentionally different. So you, they, every time they iterate the technology, they iterate it along this alternative path that was intentionally kind of chosen. So it, it's it's an interesting, like obviously they did it on purpose to create a world, whereas you know the other one was sort of a, it came from another time. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. No, I think fuck we we should have a Star Wars discussion episode one of these days because you are blowing my mind, man. <laughs> um. Speaking of Star Wars, I finally finished the Clone Wars, and oh, dude, that Osaka, that, is that Osaka like storyline at the end is that is some of the most beautiful storytelling I have seen in a long time. The way they dealt with with the with her, you know, stepping away with Order sixty six with yeah. Anakin and, and Darth Vader, that was phenomenal. And the thread throughout with the whole, the, like the biological control chip. Yes. You know, and you had, you had, you know, the malfunctioned in some and yeah. the others that got it removed. And yeah, you know. no, that was, that was so well done. 
And then I watched the first uh, the, the first episode of The Bad Batch, which is like an hour movie. That was awesome, yep. too, because it deals with the Order 66 and everything. Um, that was fantastic, dude. That Those two things really made my week. I, I was so, so happy to watch this and see those finish. That was fantastic. Um, I watched Amsterdam, that movie that had been on my list. That was a fun one. That was fun. I, I, um, what a great cast, dude. Ridiculously good cast. Christian Bale just, I, he, I, I like the, the work that he does. And I just recently, you know, cause I, we just saw him in, uh, Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. uh, as the, the, the God. Gore. Gore, yeah, the God killer. The God killer. And you see him here and you're like, that is, that is the actor we're going to be talking about 50 to 100 years from he now. He is a wildly uh, different roles that he does. He really transforms. He does. My God, he's such a phenomenal actor. Um, I watched Glass Onion, the Knives Out 2 movie. It's on my list. I want to watch that one. Yep. It's is it a good? Fun, it's a fun movie. It's, 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 it, yeah, you know what? I'll just say that. I'm not going to spoil it. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Um, I watched The Menu last night. I don't know if oh. you... And that surprised me how good that is. Yeah, the premise is odd. It is, right? And I watched the trailer again right before watching it. And it was a different trailer because it was it gave a little more. And I was like, oh, this is what this movie's about? And then when I was watching it, I was like, this is actually really good. Really, really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. It is not what you expect it to be. And that makes it very good. That makes it very good. Um, and then the last thing I watched on a whim is a movie called See How They Run. It's a movie starring Sam Rockwell. And okay. it's a it's a it's a noir 1950s noir film detective story. But it has like a Wes Anderson feel to it. So there's a heavy influence on that. But it's a it's a whodunit. Except kind of like a little bit Wes Anderson. Great cast. It's an okay movie, but it was fun to watch. I'll say that. It's not a movie I'll watch again, but it was fun to watch. Um, and yeah, it just uh, it came up and it was available. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks fun. And yes, it was fun. Uh, but but not not like a great film, but it was a fun film. I'll say that. Uh, Fair. Um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. But yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah, that was that was my week, man. I really got a lot of stuff. A lot. In there. Yeah, I know. I got a lot of stuff in there. All right, so that is the end of 1983, Gabe. Between the beginning of the internet, the uh, Chicken McNuggets being introduced. <laughs> the beginning of Chicken McNuggets. The beginning of Chicken <laughs> McNuggets. <laughs> the average income being, uh, you know, enough for a living. I mean, just a, a fantastic year. Return of the Jedi, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1983 has been a good year. Real busy, real busy year. I mean, man, like, uh, the technology I think is the thing. Like, so, I, I mean, I'm definitely more familiar with 1980s movies broadly than with the technology that was spawned. So, like, I, that, I think that always surprises me is like the things that you were know, created or at what point they were spawned. Because I was going to say, like, I think in, in one of the previous episodes, we said that like, like 10 million people were using computers, you know? And then in, yeah. his, in this episode, we're like, they, they Microsoft Word began. And I'm like, Microsoft Word? I'm like, God damn. Like, somebody was like, you know, these computers are meant for typing. We should probably make a typing app. 
and make a thing that kind of that functionality that you know distills what you can do and and you know what that i think you said it make a functionality meaning something that it has a function for what you're using this for as opposed to now where it's make whatever the fuck you want because you will have some random people use it <laughs> yeah because there's so the user base is so gigantic that even a small percentage makes it successful yes you can throw in one percent of people you can throw an an app into the internet and it will hit a million people (laughs) that is that is a new term right it used to be you can throw a rock and hit an actor in la now it is you can throw an app into the internet and hit a million people well it's like uh wasn't the guy that came that was it wordle the guy that made wordle like the it got bought for like a some crazy amount of money the new york times yeah yeah, because like again, like it, you know, it made it just enough of a splash to be, and you know, this guy has, has had made a few things. I think he'd done a few things, but like that now, like I mean, he, he technically I don't think has to do anything else for the amount they paid for that. No, they they definitely bought. It. It's almost yeah, no, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh man. But anyway, all right, Gabe. Thank you very much. Nineteen eighty three. We will see you next week. Next year, nineteen eighty four.